Harrison, would you run the video? We've been on a season where we've been talking about the uh, the, the last couple of weeks. I'm going to continue this morning talking about faith. And so I'm going to do the introductory video. called us to be extraordinary people. Uh, I, I love the scripture uh, in the beginning of Acts. Disciples had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Day of Pentecost, uh, the, the church had been to explode. They arrested a couple of the disciples. They took them before the, the Sanhedrin and they were just drilling them, these educated men and women who had spent their life studying the, 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 studying the Bible and studying the Old Testament and breaking apart, literally just spent their life sitting around discussing and arguing about the Word and just understood it backwards and forwards. We're just drilling these men uh, about, about, about their faith and about their life and about what their message was. And, and they stood back, and Scripture says they were amazed because these were ordinary men that were communicating with such boldness and clarity. And so they challenged them to stop speaking, and they didn't know what else to do but then just let them go. And God's called us to be ordinary people that do extraordinary things for Him. And, and so I just want to take a few minutes this morning, and, and here's what I recognize. It's a story of a, of a guy that was out on a hike, and uh, he's kind of up high on a cliffside, and the, as can happen sometimes, he's walking to the edge, and the, the rocks give way. They start to start to move about a little bit, shift, and so he slips off. He grabs a branch on the way down, and he's hanging on for dear life. He's looking down. There's rocks below him, and he's just kind of hanging on, so he yells as loud as he can, Help! Help! And he hears this booming voice that said, Let go, I got gotcha. you. He looked down again. Pause for a moment, looked up. Is there anybody else up there? <laughs> you know, it's easy to talk about doing extraordinary things for God. But the reality is, our faith is really a battleground. Trusting God day to day, walking out a walk of faith, being who God's called us to be, bearing fruit that's consistent with what he's called us to do, doing great works for him, it's not an easy matter. Timothy told, uh, was told by his uh, spiritual father, Paul, fight the good fight of faith. It was a call recognizing that when we enter into this Christian life, it's not the beginning, it's not the end of the fight, right? It's just the beginning of it. It's when we are beginning to engage our faith, grow our faith, establish ourselves as men and women of faith. God's called us to have a, have a faith that rises above discouragement, that rises above delays in our life when things don't happen in the timing we think they should happen. God's called us to have a, a, a faith that rises up when the world pushes us, we push back. 
He's called us to have a faith that goes beyond our discomfort. He's called us to have a faith that rises up against doubt, against circumstances, against situations, against obstacles in our way. God's called us to have a faith that's a sustaining faith that rises up and causes us to be an overcomer. And I think one of the greatest examples of that in the Bible, and I want you to want to spend a few moments here this morning, is looking at the life of Abraham. There's a, uh, and we won't turn there this morning, but there is a, a Hall of Fame. Anybody's been to a Hall of Fame before? You've been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or, or, or the NFL Hall of Fame? It's, it's a collection, right, of some of the greatest people in that industry or in that, that, uh, that, that discipline well, there's a hall of fame of sorts in, in Hebrews 11 that, that talks about some of the great men and women of God from the Old Testament that did incredible feats. And out of those uh, verses, there is one man that covers about a third of them, and his name is Abraham. And, and without taking time this morning, it's, it's interesting to, 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 to see what it talks about when it talks about his life. It talks about a man who followed the voice of God to leave his homeland when he didn't know where he was going, and yet he left everything he knew to follow God, and he left with obedience to follow the Lord. Talks about a man that by faith settled in a settled in this promised land that he was promised by God, and and yet didn't know the people. He was a stranger there, didn't know the place, didn't had, had no ties to it, and yet by faith God says, "Stop and settle." And he stops and settles. By faith he has a child. We'll talk a little bit about this morning. That is his heir that becomes a great nation. By faith, Abraham offered up this son as a sacrifice, offering him to the Lord. And you see this journey. It wasn't a moment by moment. It wasn't just, just, just a moment when the Red Sea split. It was a journey of his life, of trusting God, walking with God when when everything pushed back at him, he continued to trust God. Scripture says in an unwavering way, incredible faith, he trusted God. And so this morning, I want to take a moment and look a little deeper at his life and, and, uh, and a season of his life. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Romans. I'm just going to read a few verses here. Let me just give you a quick backdrop. Abraham had, had done astonishing things for the Lord, but there was one gigantic, frustrating piece to his life and Sarah's life. They'd received this promise. The promise was that God was going to make him a great nation. That his sons, grandsons, generations are going to, uh, when he looks at the, the, the skies at night, it, it was going to be more numerous than all the stars. Figure desert, no lights, stars brilliant. He looks out and says, God says, that, that's going to be your, that, that's an example of your offspring. That's the, that's the nation that I'm raising up out of you. And yet he goes his entire life without having a child. He was called to be a great nation that becomes a blessing and blesses many, and yet he does, doesn't have a child. And he wrestles with this and wrestles with it, and he and Sarah wrestle with it. For years and years and years. And they create a plan that they're going to adopt basically their, uh, their chief ser uh, servant and make him their heir. 
And God says no. So then they craft another plan that they're going to take uh, uh, their, their other servant and have a child through her, which they do, Ishmael, and God says, no, this is not it. And now, as the scripture picks them up, and as the story tells, they're a hundred years old, at least Abraham. He's a hundred, he's 99 years old. Sarah is, is, is 90 years old, and they're well past the season where this could take place. And so that's a backdrop. Let me read here in verse 16. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace, and it may be guaranteed to Abraham's offspring. And let me just skip down here to, uh, to the end of 17. It says, who is the father in the sight of God in whom he believed? And it says, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they are. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief. Can you just imagine this? He's a hundred years old. He's been waiting for years for this miracle to take place. And for him to walk in the fulfillment of what God's called him to be and do. And scripture says that he hasn't weakened in his faith. We just say, you know it's not without struggle. It's, you know it's not without leaning into God, right? And so... He said he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised to do. Here's what I believe God wants to do. I believe God, more than anything else, wants to strengthen your faith. I believe more than anything else, God wants to strengthen your faith, the walk in more of him, his promises, his power, his presence. I believe God wants to strengthen you to be what God's called you to be, to walk as God's called you to walk, to, to do what God's called you to do. I believe that God is strengthening your faith in this hour. To be an ordinary person does extraordinary things for him. I believe God's strengthening our faith as a church to rise up and to be who God's called us to be as a church. As we have a group that just came back from the Ukraine and we have youth, you know, I'd been fine if we just turned over to the youth this morning, let them testify and start praying over people. But just to clarify, I would have been great with that. We have youth that just came back from a retreat. God met them in a powerful way. I've been, what you heard in, in about two minutes, I've been listening to for two days of all the things that God did. It's powerful, powerful. We have, we have uh, our pastor, his wife, our worship leader, uh, out in, uh, in Africa, in West Africa right now. God's doing incredible things to this church. But I just want you to know, it's just the beginning. It's, just, it's not like we found our sweet spot yet. We're just in the beginning of what God wants to do. We have two missionaries sent out from this church. One is here this morning with us. And, 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 and it's just the beginning of what God wants to rise up and send out of this church. The seats that are in here, it's just the beginning of what God wants to do in saving hearts, restoring families. It's just the beginning. What God's doing in you today is just the beginning. What you're walking in, it's not the end. It's not like, hey, I've arrived and I've kind of found my spot and I'm just going to put in cruise control and go down. Let me just say over you, what you're walking in today is just the beginning of what God wants to do. He's not finished with you. You've been waiting on God, waiting on God, waiting to believe a promise, holding on to stuff. and You feel like it's kind of gone past you now. 
And so you're just kind of hanging in there. I want you to know that God hadn't finished with you. He hadn't finished with me. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. So let me this morning, I'm just going to give you quickly three aspects of what I believe will help us stand battle-tested. Will help our faith stand battle-tested. The first one is this, is that there's a grace, there's a faith-grace certainty connection in this scripture that I just want to highlight. Verse 16 says, the promise of God comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to Abraham's offspring. The word faith there, by faith, means it comes out of faith. That means faith is a source of it. But for this purpose, so that it may be by grace. It's kind of an interesting dichotomy there, not interesting tension. You know, it's by your faith so that it can be by grace. Well, I want to say, okay, which one is it? Is it by grace? Is it by faith? Is it, is it God that does it? Is it me that does it? The reality is both. It's an engagement of our faith, but it's by grace. And sometimes I feel like we, we, we view faith as something we've got to work up ourselves, like something that, that if we just had more faith, if we just had more of it, then God would have answered that prayer. If we just had more of it, then I wouldn't be dealing with this situation. If I just had more of it, and somehow it's all about us, and if I just can work it up enough, then somehow God can move in that situation. Well, recognizing it is all us, but it's all God. And it's not, if it's not all God, then it can't be any of us. The fulfillment of the promise is wholly on God. Yet he causes us to engage our faith. We engage our faith by simply just embracing him. We embrace what he's doing. We embrace how he wants to do it. We just embrace and lean into him. And it's his faith that does a couple things for, I mean, his grace that does a couple things for us and our faith. Number one, it overrides all of our uh, imperfections. Meaning that we don't get our stuff together, right? We don't, we don't figure it all out, have all the scriptures, know everything, have our life completely pure, no problems, and then we come to God asking God for something. It's not about us getting everything correct and then God will move. It's about us growing into figuring this thing out while we're completely leaning into his grace. It's not about us, it's about him. It's about his grace that covers us. It's about embracing him in this process. It's not about getting us together. It's about knowing who he is in the midst of that. Second thing that it does for us is that there's a guarantee of a promise that's attached to it. Right? It's a supernatural work that takes place. It's God that brings life out of death. It's not your faith. It's the engagement of your faith, but it's God that does the work. Are you with me this morning? And so I just want to take all the pressure off of you this morning. Later on today, when you're believing God for something and you gather with your family to pray, or you're just praying in the quietness of the moment, just want you to know it's not about how strong somehow you feel like your faith can be. It's about who God is in the midst. It's about his grace in the midst of our lives. It's about how big and how wide his love is for us that encompasses us in his grace so that we can embrace him and we can say, Lord, whatever you want to do, however what you want to do it, Lord, I'm believing you, I'm trusting you, I'm leaning into you. And I don't got to figure it out all by myself. It's a supernatural work that's done by God. It's God taking that 
which is not in, at all in, in being, and he brings it into being. It's not there. He creates it, and he does it. The book of Hebrews 12, 2 describes Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith. That, that, that brings such comfort to me because it recognizes where my faith comes from, right? It comes from Christ. He's the originator of it. And also tells me who, who is, how it, it's going to be matured or developed. It's because he perfects it. The word author there is not just originator. It also means uh, ship captain or prince. Meaning that is God that originates it, our faith, right? We love him because he first loved us. We don't love him and then he responds to our love. It's that he loved us first, so therefore we return to him. God's grace is extended to us, and so therefore we're able to then reach out to him in faith because his grace covers us. I had a really good point. I know where I was going there. So that's what happens when I get away from my notes. So here it is. So, so he's the chief leader, right? He's the, he's the captain of our faith which means that he is full control of our faith. It means that he is steering the ship of our faith, driving and directing it. So just, just go back to Abraham for a moment. They're trying. They're trying to, they, they've got their hands on the, on the steering wheel trying to drive the ship. Well, maybe we'll just get my, my, our servants involved in this. We just adopt. We'll just have a child another way. We'll try to direct how God wants to do this. God said, no, that's not it. He gives us grace. He lets us try stuff. He lets, you know, he, he just, in his grace and, and, and in his patience with us, he lets us kind of run our own route a little bit. Then he just kind of brings us back. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm going to captain the ship here. I'm going to take over, over the, the steering wheel again, right? I, I'm, I'm going to start directing this thing because I've got a plan that's different than what you've been trying to do on your own strength. Okay, God. And here's the beauty of this thing. So he shows up. So, this, so this, this thing starts in Genesis 12, and, and it goes through his journey, and we get to Genesis 17, if we went back and read today. And, and, and God shows up again and says, okay, these plans are not the plans I have for you, but here's the plan I have for you. And, and it's this powerful moment when the voice of God, the booming voice of God comes. Abraham's on his face, uh, it falls on his face in the middle of this. This is a powerful, powerful, powerful moment. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm about to give you a child. Sarah's about to conceive. And you know what Abraham does? He laughs. He laughs. It's so absurd. They just laughs. He's not laughing at God. He's laughing at the situation, the circumstances. There's no way that could take place. In this holy moment, you and I will be weeping, crying, fearful. He's just laughing. A, a, a chapter later, they... Sarah hears the same conversation. She hears it. You know what she does? She laughs. Because it just doesn't make sense. But God's in control. He's steering our faith. And God doesn't want to do it the way you and I think it should be done. He does exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask and can even imagine. More than you can fathom. More than you can sit down and strategically plan. More even more, with more clarity than you can ask yourself, it's what God does. He does something beyond us, right? The idea of author and finisher. Finisher is a completer. And so here's our responsibility. 
He's the author and perfecter of our faith. Therefore, what Scripture calls, set our eyes upon him. So let me, let me just, I want to drive this with a story, then I'll, then I'll shift gears. So God's, there's a faith, grace, certainty, guarantee, connection by God. But it causes us to, what we've got to do is fix our eyes on him. Right? That's what God calls to to embrace him, to fix our eyes on him. So, so when we feel like we get punched in the face by the world, by circumstances, by situations, by things unexpected in our life, when things don't happen like they should happen in our mind, when we feel like we get punched in the face, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes. When those things happen, we set our eyes on Christ. We fix our eyes on him. So Rayleigh, when she was little, I had permission to tell this story. When she was little, she went to California to visit my mother, her grandmother, grandfather. And uh, they live in this, they lived in San Diego County in this beautiful desert community. They had about 90 acres, 80 some acres, all desert, all surrounded by mountains, beautiful. And it was a playground. They had ATVs and they had go-karts. Why they left all that for us, I don't know, but they did. We're excited about it, but they, they did. And it's just a playground. Well, Rayleigh's out there, and she has uh, a little blanket that she has kept since she was little, her binka. It was like her best friend. You know, everybody's had one. She had her binka. She couldn't say blanket, so it was binka, right? So she had her binka, and binka went everywhere with her. She laid everywhere binka went. Binka certainly went out to California when she was little. She was about three years old. She's out there with binka. She finds a huge sock. Binka's stuffed in the sock with a head poking out. You know, that was the... That was Binka's clothes or whatever. I don't know. And we realized, so she was out there a couple of weeks, and we came and picked her up, and uh, we're there a week, and we, on our way back, we realized that we couldn't find Binka. So we told Mom to look around, and Binka was nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. And the best that we could assume is one point we were out on ATV, she must have had her blanket with her and, and lost it out there in the desert. 90 acres out in the desert, Binka's gone. Well, Dad, can we pray for Binka? Yeah, darling, we can pray. So we prayed with faith, believing God's going to return Binka. Every time we prayed at night, she went to pray for Binka. Every time, without fail. A week went by, two weeks went by, three went, weeks went by, four weeks went by, no Binka every night. Dad, can we pray for Binka? Well, at some point, great man of faith is beginning to prepare Rayleigh that maybe there's a different answer to this thing. We get her another one, Daddy. That that doesn't doesn't have a head. Sorry. We get one with a head. Dad, that's that's not that's not Binka. It's Binka's cousin. <laughs> Bonka needs to have a home too. That can we pray for Binka? No matter what I said, no matter what I did. She just kept praying every night that we pray. And, and you know, one side, I, I appreciate her faith. The other side, I was really concerned about this whole thing. Uh, just as a dad, I was concerned, right? Like, <laughs> no matter what I've done to softly kind of shift this a little bit, you know, maybe God answers prayers differently than we think he should answer. Well, it's a great theological point, but it's not going to sway her from praying for Binka. About... 
probably about, I don't know now, two months later, is that a fair? Get a phone call from my mom. Stuart was out on the tractor somewhere out on the property. Looks down, sees a piece of styrofoam. He thinks a piece of styrofoam walks out, and it was Binka. A little tattered. A little beat up, but Binka. And my encouragement is this, is that we fix our eyes on God. Not on how improbable situation is or how difficult it may be or how long we've waited or, uh, or whether we feel like we're deserving of it or not. We just fix our eyes on him. We lean into his grace. And we trust him. God, this is your promises. This is your plan. This is what you're doing. I submit it to you. And I just say, Lord, I trust you with it. It's a grace-faith connection here. Secondly, there's a faith that's future-oriented. Scripture says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And I love the way this is worded. And I've just fed off this for years because... Well, let me tell you what Abraham didn't do. He didn't ignore the circumstances. He didn't, sometimes we could have what I would think would be almost a hyper faith that says if we acknowledge the circumstances that we're not trusting God. If we say the C word, then we're not trusting God. If we, if, if we, if, if we look at our bank account, acknowledge what's there, then we're not trusting God. If we, you know, whatever it is in your life, I just want you to know, he saw the circumstance. He realized in the natural, there's no way this is going to happen. And yet it says, and yet against all of that, in hope he believed. He looked with eyes of faith and expectancy and hope beyond his circumstances and said, yet I believe in hope. It's as if he's saying, I acknowledge the circumstances, but I trust God that you're bigger than the circumstances. There's a faith-hope connection that are just overlapping here. We can bank our hope on lots of things. And whatever we bank it on, it governs our life. If we bank it on a bank account, if we bank it on a position, if we bank it on anything else that we bank it on today, it's going to govern our lives, how we live our life, what we decide to do, how we talk, what decisions we make. If we base our hope on, on the, the, the promises of God, his provision, his power, his presence, if that's where our hope is based, then we're gonna, it's going to govern our life. It's going to govern how we live, how we operate. It's going to govern the attitude that we have when we wake up tomorrow morning, whether things have been answered or not. If our hope is in him, then it governs how we live. And here's what I love about this. It's future-oriented, but it causes us to look back. What I mean by that is it causes us to look back at Christ, his sacrifice, his finished work on the cross, his shed blood. And we look back and we take our stand in that. And from that place, from that position, then we look forward. Based on what you've done. I trust you that your promises are yes and amen. Based on the sacrifice that you made on the cross for me, I stand in a place of knowing your love, knowing your grace, receiving your forgiveness, being a son and daughter of you, walking now in a position of victory, looking forward into the promises of God. We look back 
so that we can stand in that place and look forward. And, 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 and by nature, faith is forward thinking, it's forward oriented. Whether you pray and something happens in eight minutes or you're praying and it takes eight years or longer, it's forward thinking. And there's times I know you have too. We prayed for things and, 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 and we believed God. And in that moment, things begin to shift, right? We just see some of the answers begin to happen in that moment. It's like God immediately breaks in in that time. There's times when we prayed for people. There's times that things have been going on in our life where we had stood to, we've stood and prayed and we felt the peace of God just, just kind of rest on us and all the anxiety and the uncertainty and the fear around this thing lift. And we just said, okay, God, you're doing something with the next few days. Things just begin to open and shift and move. There's times when we've been waiting on things for years. There is some words that we received, my wife and I received, that goes back about eight years. In the last six weeks, we've started to see those fulfilled eight years ago. So much so that I've just kind of put them on a shelf and don't even really think about them. We've started to see them and we've been to look back at what God said and did and spoke. There's things that we're believing for that we haven't seen yet. And we've been years and years and years of believing. But either way, the point is that we're looking forward with an expectation and with a hope. It's a trust in a person. But it's a trust in that person that he's able to do exactly what he said he's going to do. Jeremiah says this, Jeremiah 17. It's blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots to the streams. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worry in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. What's that saying? In every season, you're bearing fruit. The one that trusts in God. What's that saying? When, when the heat comes, it doesn't dry you out. In times of drought, we're not seeing any water. God, we're just leaning into God, trusting God, his provision, his power. There's a place where we rest in him, right? We look forward. We fix our eyes on him. We look back into who God is and what he's done. And then from that point, we look with eyes of expectancy into what he's going to do. And the last point is this, it, it is our faith, the bottom line of our faith, the reason why we walk in faith is to give glory to God. With respect to the promises of God, Abraham did not waver with unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. He grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Our faith gives glory to God. It doesn't add glory to God. It shows forth his glory. It's a demonstration of his glory. His glory is simply his greatness, the greatness of his beauty shining forth in all excellence. It's, it's his radiance coming forth from his perfection. Psalms 19.1 says the heavens are telling the glory of God. They're shining forth. They're a demonstration of God's glory. The aim of all things. You want to know your purpose in life? Your purpose in life is to trust the Lord. And in that trust in the Lord, bring glory to him. God, I don't know what I'm called to do, what I'm called to be. It's to give glory to God. That's, that's really your, whatever you do, wherever you go, however you live, that is your purpose in life. What's happened, the reason why the world is such a horrible place today, the reason why there's so many bad things going on is this. We've exchanged God's glory for other things. Right? We've given up the glory of God and we exchange it for worshiping other idols, other things. We've made it about us. We made it about the worship of other things. When God wants to restore that, I believe, 
first to his church and then to this world, that our life is lived to honor God. And our faith, our faith is a demonstration of the reality of God. When we trust God, when we really trust God, here's what it does. It demonstrates that God's trustworthy, he's faithful, he's powerful, he's wise, he's loving. It demonstrates who he is in his reality. You're three years old, you're hanging out at the edge of a pool, you don't know how to swim, and your dad is sitting there saying, jump, I'll catch you. If we jump into his arms, what's that do? It demonstrates that my dad, he's good. He's trustworthy. He's faithful. He's powerful. He's able to take care of me. What happens if I step back and run and say, I'm not jumping? What's that demonstrate? God's not faithful. He's not going to do that. He can't catch me. God's called us to stand at the edge. And when God says jump, we jump. When God says go, we're able to go. When God says believe, then we stand and believe. We read the word and we say, God, you've called us to be this. And we stand on that. We walk in that. It's, it's, it's us as a little boy, little girl, jumping into that water and just jumping in the hands of the Lord. Now, what if he's two feet away or four feet away or five feet away? What if we're in the deep end? What if we're standing on top of a, 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 of a diving board in the deep end and he says jump? Right? It's a little harder then. The reality is the same. God's faithful. The harder, the harder the miracle is, the more it shines forth his glory. The more difficult in the natural for something to take place, the more it's a demonstration of the reality of God. God's called us to bring glory to him. We do that when we walk in faith. We set our eyes on him. We look back to the finished works of Christ. You're going through a difficult situation. Look back to the finished work of Christ. Look what he's done for you and stand on that place. It is by his stripes that we are healed. We look back to the stripes of Christ. And from that place, we declare healing. We declare breakthrough. We declare his finished work. We declare it from a place, right, of standing in him, recognizing that we're bringing glory to God. You all familiar with the great... Uh, evangelist from the 1700s, John Wesley. He, John Wesley, is the father of the uh, of the Methodist movement. Incredible evangelist. He and Charles wrote a lot of hymns that we still sing today. Uh, just quickly, here, here's the story, and I'll just finish here. Here's a story of of uh, John Wesley. John Wesley had a knowledge of God, but didn't know God. And yet he went off to, uh, uh, to Georgia. This is 1700. So this is pre revolution. He goes off to Georgia and he, and he goes there on a missionary trip. And as you can imagine, it's just an, it's just a horrible failure. I mean, he just does nothing at all. And so he leaves heartbroken and he's on this ship, and there's a bunch of Moravian folks on this ship. And 
a storm blows up in the middle of a service that they had planned, the Moravians had planned. A storm blows up, and this is a terrifying storm. At one point, a wave, this is his journaling, a wave crashes over and rips the sails apart. I mean, he's terrified for his life. And while this is going on, the Moravians are in some room on that ship just worshiping God. They had planned a service, they're going to have service. They had church. So they're worshiping, they're sharing the word, they're just, they're, they're having church up there while he is hanging on, terrified for his life. As soon as things calm down, obviously they make it, as soon as they calm down, they go, uh, he, he approaches these men and said, weren't you ever afraid? And by his journaling, they said, no. Weren't, weren't your, your wives, your daughters, and your, your sons, weren't, weren't they? No, they weren't afraid. And he was so touched by this, by this demonstration of faith, when he's back in London, he goes to a Moravian meeting. And at this meeting, he, he describes his experience as that his heart is strangely warmed. And he, and he journals that he trusts God as the Lord of his salvation. It's his conversion experience. It happened. Not because he had a knowledge of God but there was a demonstration of God around him that was so real and so tangible. He said, there's something different about them. And because these guys were worshiping on the ship, in God's, in God's grace, he just, just ordained that moment and that season at time. That, that fed a whole movement that touched generations that are still touching them today, that moment, that time. Abraham's faith, touched generations, a nation that was raised up because he was unwavering in his faith. didn't matter how long it took. It didn't matter that he messed up along the way. He was going to keep believing, keep trusting, unwavering, not going to let circumstances and situations that seem well beyond the, the natural realm of possibility stand in the way of who God was, and generations were touched by it. Your faith is not just about you. What God wants to do in you, in your life, is not just about you. It's about all of those around you that are going to come in contact with what God's doing in you and through you and are going to be touched because of that. You don't know what the ramifications, you don't know what the ripples are of your life and your faith. But let me just say today, trust God because he's about to do something in you and through you that's going to touch generations. Would you stand up with me? I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come up. And here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask Ari to come up. I want to pray for you. If you need a breakthrough in any area of your life, it doesn't matter. You, you need a breakthrough. It may be something that seems simplistic or may see something as dramatic as Abraham's story. It doesn't matter. God's the Lord of all of it. But you need a breakthrough today. I want you to just raise your hand. Father, you see our hands raised today. You know every story, every journey. You know the season of life that each one of us are in. 
Lord, you know the details of the circumstances, the situations by which we cry out to you right now. But Father, we just lean into you. Father, we set our eyes upon you. Lord, you are the author and perfecter of our faith right now, Lord. And we just say we trust in you. As Lord of the breakthrough, we trust in you. Father, we ask today that you'll break into every situation, every circumstance. Lord, bring relief, bring freedom, bring healing. Father, bring wholeness today. Lord, set what's out of order in order, we pray in the name of Jesus. And we ask today, Lord, that you'll strengthen our faith in this hour. Lord, cause us not to shrink back, cause us not to become passive. Lord, cause us to rise up as men and women of faith, declaring your reality, your promises, your provision. Lord, your power in the middle of it. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. May you experience an unsettling. May your faith just be not only renewed, but may, may all of our expectancy just grow. May we not settle for where we are and, and, and settle for what we're in right now, but may we continue to reach forward to the promises of God. May our faith be firm and unshakable and also contagious. May it spread to those around us throughout the week. May we be fires to light those around us in our work, um, in grocery stores, wherever we are. We may, may, may we bring the fire of faith to whoever we meet. In Jesus' name, you are dismissed. Amen.